Hi, it's Reverend Kurt Condra at Unity on the North Shore in Evanston, Illinois. Unity offers positive, practical, and progressive teachings that support spiritual evolution and abundant living. You can join us for our weekly Sunday service at 1030 in these days of sequestering. It's by Zoom. Uh, so please visit our website at www.unityns.org and register for the Zoom link. If you missed the service, you can also see the video version of our Sunday lessons on our YouTube channel, Unity North Shore. Again, visit us at our website, www.unityns.org, to see the many ways in which we're creating connection in this time of physical distancing. God bless. This month leading up to the elections, Reverend Christina and I have been working a lot on what we wanted to convey and what we wanted our Sunday experience to be like. And initially we thought there's so much craziness in the world right now uh, that what we, we want to create is a, a kind of a sanctuary where people can step back and refresh their souls and renew their souls. And uh, I, I, I'm having some second thoughts about that approach. Uh, certainly, I hope that through the prayer and the music in the community that you always experience that when you come to be together with us on a Sunday. But I'm also cognizant and mindful that uh, this is a time in history, a time in space, when if ever soul work and spiritual work was crucial for the transformation of the weird energies that are going on, it's now. So in some ways, I almost feel like the shift for me happened. Here's where the shift for me happened. Um, we, the region, Uni Great Lakes region, had a conference a couple of weeks ago, and the opening keynote was presented by Reverend Jim Lee and his wife, Lisa, um, both incredibly powerful people. Um, Reverend Jim is, is Black. He was African-American at Unity Renaissance, which was the largest, one of the most diverse uh, ministries in the movement for a long, long time. He's now retired and moved out West. But as he talked through his own kind of personal evolution through this process. Um, it just really shifted my my notion about about what it means for us to be in community together at this time. Um, if I, and I was mindful that even as we were singing I release, you know, a few moments ago, uh, certainly there are energies that would be toxic for us to hold on to. But I also think that that can also be a dodge for us. You know, there are times when it's like, oh this is too much work this is too painful i'm not going to do the work no i release it i'm just going to turn around forget it's not there you know there's like that kind of duck uh, the, the the fancy term for it is spiritual bypassing right where when there's there's work for us to do there's transformation and growth before us but we just are reluctant or resistant or for whatever reason don't step up to it um, now is a time in history when we need to be stepping up you know our understanding of, of how spirit works in the universe, our capacity for, so, for inner knowing and, and recognizing the divinity with us and recognizing that in, in really embracing oneness, it means we also have to embrace the other. That, that is more needed now and our ability to practice that and live more deeply into it is I think um, probably has more potential for creating transformative change than ever, at least in our lifetimes, maybe than we've experienced or ever will. 
So I'm I'm going to challenge us rather than sort of comfort and create sanctuary. I'm going to tell you up front that what I'm going to speak to today might actually be a little bit uncomfortable. And yet I think the way that we refresh and renew our souls is to dive more deeply into the spiritual dimension of life rather than to shrink from the challenges that lie before us. Does that make sense? I'm looking at the so nodding heads and I'm happy about that. I haven't seen anybody log off yet. So I'm good. I'm good with that. Um, so here's where the turning point came. Um, when Lisa, Reverend Lee's wife, was sort of was synopsizing all that had come up during their opening thing, she said one of the places that it changed most for her was when she was able to sort of embrace the notion that we have been born into the, you know, in Unity often you'll log into a service and we'll say, it's no accident you're here. It's a divine appointment, you're here. She's taken that to like next level. It's no accident that we're here on the planet, that we are the ones, this is the generation that's called to be present for what's happening now in the world. And I don't even have to list those, we all know it, right? It's no accident that it's us who are here. We're the ones who are called into position to be able to move through it in a way that transforms it rather than just sort of sweeps it under the rug or, um, and, and, and by transform, I mean transforms at a level in consciousness, right? Because we know social and cultural change can kind of happen and we can write laws to change things, but it never really does because we haven't really come at it from that deepest level where um, there's a collective consciousness that supports the kind of world that works for all, right? So this is our opportunity to take that deeper than it's ever been before and, and to really shift consciousness and culture in a way that the kind of change where uh, where justice, social justice and where um, respect for other and, and a really truly inclusive and dynamic and diverse world starts to come forth. That's, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be about in these moments. So Lisa's observation that like, that's my deepest purpose in the moment. Like that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to be an agent for that kind of transformation. And, and recognizing that it sort of gives me a context to look at all of the headlines that are really literally daily, daily, they're different daily. There's a new crisis to be able to hold that as a bunch of noise and yet recognize that my purpose here is to be able to not release that, but really face up to it and be present to it in a way that I can bring the truest part of me, the divine of me, the loving part of me to bear so that I'm changed in my own consciousness and can show up for others in that same way. Right? So the most um, compelling example that Jim Lee brought forth in their opening session was his, his description of how his recognition that even in the death of Joyce, George Floyd, it was up to Jim Lee to even be able to see that he could not be separate and apart from the cop, the cop who, had, who murdered him. Um, that's, that's a big chunk, right? To be able to look at the other that is so clearly in violation of any principle or value that we might hold and recognize that, man, that, that other is stuck too. They're stuck in a paradigm that keeps their believing present, that, that motivates their actions in a way that's not different from the prisons that I, I, I impose upon myself, my own structure of beliefs that would keep me from recognizing. Um, that there might be part of my, of my understanding that really hasn't fully grasped the infinite and the divine, 
right? Our job is to see beyond the separation pieces right now and find a way to integrate it all. Because it is, if as we believe in unity that it's one, then it is all of God. And it's up to us to sort of bring and call that forth and recognize that there is no, there's truly no separation. So um, biblical example that I'm going to hold, I have an object lesson and I practice really hard to try <laughs> to try and do this seamlessly, but I may have to do a little bit of adjusting. I have a painting here. Um, it's of a biblical figure. I'm going to try and hold it up so you can see the whole painting and get a better sense of who's there if I move it to the left and up over the logo there. So this painting actually, I think, was painted by a friend of Rose and Bob Johnson's. And I love it. So there's water there at the bottom, you see, and there are crowds on the banks, and there's even fire in the background. So the figure in the middle is John the Baptist. Don't you love that beautiful depiction? So hold that picture in mind now while I read you the biblical passage that we're going to be working with here. This is out of Mark 10. And John the Baptist is declaring, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I just want you to see that again. See the reference to the unquenchable fire. And I love it. This, this is really an impactful image for me. Um, but what I recognize in that is that John the Baptist has some expectations, some beliefs about how Jesus, this one who's coming after him, is going to show up, right? Unquenchable fire, thrashing floor. It's the, the brimstone, it's the, the, the Baptist fire and brimstone kind of attitude. That's how he sees the coming of Jesus, right? And in fact, if we follow John the Baptist's story down the road, he's later imprisoned for um, his strident, uh, uh, strident and probably well-deserved criticism of the king for marrying someone he shouldn't have, right? So John the Baptist is in prison and probably at that point really questioning if, if this is all worth it. Like, really, okay, how is this vision that I have going to be coming forth? And what we learn is that he starts to question whether Jesus was really the guy or not. And he sends messengers to go ask Jesus specifically, what is it? What is that you're about? Should I have been looking for somebody else? Because clearly you're not doing the fire and the forks thing that I was expecting. You see, his framework is this. But look, when we hear Jesus' response, he never speaks to John the Baptist's expectation, right? Jesus' response to the messengers that John had sent to him is this. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. So those who would otherwise be um, sort of oppressed, those who are lame, those who would be ignored, those are the ones for whom Jesus has come. There's, there's no threshing happening. There's no brimstone and fire. That's not how Jesus is showing up. And so 
John the Baptist, it's actually that the rigidity of that kind of vision, uh, that kind of thinking that got him in trouble in the first place. In the next chapter, we learn that he's, his plate is served up on a head, and in some ways out of his own, um, his own inability to be present to other dimensions and other points of view. That's kind of a big leap, but I'm taking it. That's what I'm saying. And so I would suggest that within us, are those same kind of attitudes. We have that John the Baptist, this is the expectation I hold. This is how the kingdom of, of heaven looks. This is how my leaders are ought to be showing up. This is the way it, it needs to be happening. Um, that's getting in the way of us recognizing that that in itself is our cage, right? That's our prison. God asks us to be available for uh, to be unconditionally loving, to demonstrate the kind of acceptance and the kind of receptivity and the kind of compassion that Jesus brought. So I would just ask you to think about it. Like as you move into those places um, where you just want to turn the TV off, and I'm not saying you have to leave the TV on, but know that that inclination to shut it down and release it, I'm, no, 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 I'm not going there, that that's actually getting in the way of our own soul's growth and development, right? It's, it's us not being resilient enough to be present to our own pain and discomfort. And what is called for now is a greater capacity to be present to those so that we can continue to make connections with those we might otherwise regard as other, um, otherwise regard as, um, oh, I'm not thinking of the right word, so I'm going to skip it. Um, so our work is really about first finding those places in our own self, in our own beingness and our own belief systems that are limiting our capacity to be loving in the presence of others. That's the deepest work there is. That, that's, um, that's the space where um, we really, as we open to it, as we're willing to be present to it, that it's only through the transformative power of the divine that we can really begin to be healed and begin to accept what our true work is in, in this wild time, right? Um, I want to share with you, this is from uh, a Zen mystic who is um, just an incredible, uh, incredibly insightful kind of observer. Of, of how the world is moving. She's, I would really regard her as a prophet. Um, so Angel Kaido Williams is her name. And what she suggests is that um, in order for us to be transformed as individuals, we have to allow for the incompleteness of any of our truths, any of the things that we hold most true, to recognize that in the infinite, even that is a limit. Right? We're limiting ourselves even in what we value the most and the greatest. And to be, um, to be forgiving of the complexity of the whole human experience. And to be able to really begin to recognize that um, even though there are others who are perpetuating these systems of oppression who are advantaged by that, right? There, there's, there's advantage to, to being in that position. But for us to be able to recognize that at the deepest level, at the deepest level of our humanity, they too are suffering, right? We might not be able to see or spot it, but if we trust um, the, the deepest dimension of our human hearts, we know that that level of disconnection that, that would um, prompt or incentivize or even allow you to be able to act in ways that are so detrimental to humanity. 
and so detrimental to the expression of love that they have to be so cut off from their truest self that there's a dimension of suffering that that that's our connection point right that's where we can begin to recognize that suffering is 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 also universal and that for us to be able to hold compassion in those spaces is actually the beginning of a transformative power that goes far beyond whatever law we might be able to sign in with a pen or whatever protests we might be able to win or whatever election we prevail in right because the change has to happen at a much deeper level if it's to be sustained so uh, you know it's just interesting as christine and i were talking about this series what we were wanting to do is create a refuge so that once we got to the election then we could be accepting of whatever the result was. I, I think it's beyond that, though, because this work continues. <laughs> this the, the ways in which we imprison ourselves in our own expectations and our own insistence about how it ought to be and our own self-righteousness, just as John the Baptist had. Those are prisons for our own capacity for be loving, being loving. So it's um, this is our opportunity, right, not to shrink from not to release in a way that's spiritually bypassing and ducking the issue, but to be present to the places in our own heart so that we can allow that to expand and we can allow our capacity to be present to other in a way that that increases our effectiveness. There are, you know, I've been listening a lot to, um, and maybe that, that would be my coaching. <laughs> like in order to do that, we have to be able to start feeding our souls with other ideas and images than we're gonna get from mainstream or social media or news headlines right now. So I would invite you to seek out um, alternative, uh, alternative ways of holding these energies, right? And there are a lot of them. Um, there are so many wonderful podcasts. Krista Tippett's On Being is amazing. Um, I, I don't know how to tell you to get to this other than to subscribe to Cloud Cult's Patreon page. Um, so if you've got some money to spend, I would highly recommend it, but they're, they're doing some amazing work. In fact, that's where I, the inspiration for today's talk really came out of, uh, a recent seminar that was done with university of Minneapolis or Minnesota. Um, and it was a recognition that in order to make the changes with the planetary changes that we need, you know, beyond social and cultural, even to what's happening with the earth and the environment, that's all a part of the work that we're doing right now in consciousness. It's all the same. And to be able for us to recognize that, you know, the bar that we've set for ourselves to this point has been way too low. We are far more powerful than we recognize. We are far more loving and capable to embrace um, the fullness of life's experience and the complexity of humanity than we have given ourselves or challenged ourselves to do prior to this. Um, we are miracles expressing, right? We are miracles in the process of becoming even greater miracles. And so I invite you to just think about how it is that you can move through this and keep your heart open, not only to like the love and the comfort and the sanctuary of being at peace, but how can you be open so that you are the, the presence of those energies, even when um, when when your sense of self-righteousness and, and your personal values are being threatened or challenged, or we feel that they're being threatened and challenged. Because as we build resilience around those, it actually increases the capacity for the energies of love to be expressed more fully on the planet and in the world. <laughs> That's the work that we're about. You know, it's not just 
getting our candidate elected in November. It's about changing consciousness so that whomever is elected, there's a cultural shift and a, a change in consciousness that is going to be sustained far beyond whatever happens in the worldly material form. Yeah? Oh, man. So I told you this wasn't going to be about sit back and relax and we're going to make you peaceful and comfortable at heart. I warned you up front. But I think we're up to it. I believe that's what we're about. We've been doing it at Unity on the North Shore in our lives individually for a while. We've been challenging um, what our sense or what our beliefs are about money and lack and abundance. We've been we've done that. We've got uh, I can't count the number of examples of people who have followed their heart and pursued their dreams and changed careers so that they could live into that greater belief. We've been doing that work for a while inside our walls, and now we're called to do that work in a greater way um, as we continue to evolve our own understanding, but as we begin to share it more fully out in the world and in the planet. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. And if you'd like to support the ministries of Unity on the North Shore, you can text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 815-827-6052. Again, text GIVE to 815-827-6052. Or visit us online and click the donate button www.unityns.org. You'll also find there a complete menu of offerings for sort of remote and distance learning through this time of sequestering. God bless you. And again, thanks for joining.